welcome back to another episode of the Field Guide Podcast. I'm your co-host, Nathan Drewitz, local extension crops educator for Stearns, Benton, and Morrissey counties. And with me is Claire Lacan, local educator for Steel and Rice counties. How are you doing today, Claire? I am doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Well, we are back again here on the Honkin Farm, and uh, this is in Rice County. So, Claire, do you want to do a short introduction here? Yes, just that we are lucky to be joined today by Dan and Aaron Honkin uh, here in Rice County and got to hear a little bit about their history and where they've come on their operation. And we'd like to dive a little bit more into some of your other practices. Let's just talk a little bit about your cover cropping plans to start with here, because we talked the last time uh, quite a bit about you know, your Kernza, your pastures, and you had a lot of topics to select from, which is part of the reason why we wanted to come back here and just have, you know, finish up the conversations that we were having. So starting with cover cropping, you know, we, we talked a lot about what you're utilizing cover crops for. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your program that you run here? I got into cover cropping basically for the beef cattle to, to give them extra pasture and, and feed for them. And then, I notice, you know, it really helps the soil, so that's why I expanded. I was just doing the first couple of years probably 70, 80 acres, and now almost every field gets cover crops on them. What differences have you observed in the soil? The soybeans love the winter rye. The ground seems way smoother, and we can no-till right into it, and where I had the best winterized stands this year, especially with the drought, that the soybeans, they're my best fields, not even close. And a couple years, the corn, is, if you hit it right, has done very well with, I think, the cover crops. It just helps hold the soil together, and it gives biomass and gives it nutrients, and it you know grabs that end and holds it and starts decomposing in the summer, and it gives the corn some added oof. So the cover crops along with your no-till in some instances, it, it sounds like it's impacting your organic matter and then because of that, your water holding capacity? Yes, yep. And it helps with the weeds. I mean, it does. I mean, I'm not organic, you know, we spray and, you know, so, but it does slow down the weeds because you got that rye and, you know, the turnip leaves there and stuff and so the one thing is turnips they get pretty big and <laughs> and if you run a tillage through it we've actually had them catching it and stuff but I mean it's good they decompose down and got a lot of nitrogen in them so what kind of influences are you seeing on erosion very well I mean we some of the people call these mountains out here so <laughs> and I don't have a gully, you know, on almost every field. So, and started off, took over some land from landlords, you know, and they wanted me to do it. And we've reduced almost all the gullies just with cover crops. So we're getting a biomass to hold it, you know, through the spring and fall and winter. And it seems to be good. I think I can get in there, you know, it's helping the soils. I can get through spots earlier in the year, I think, than I used to. So it helps with the everything. What do you think your return on investment on this has been? Like this year, I think it returned great on some of the soybean acres because I could, you know, we 
you know, we're out in the hills here, and but we did good this year. I mean, I think you could really see where I had good rye stands. The soybeans were, we got probably eight, nine bushels more an acre than other fields. I think that paid for it right there. How do you how do you manage that coming before you plant your beans? Are you planting green? Or are you I'm terminating? I'm planting green, and that seems to be working good. And we do a, you know, then we spray it right away, and then we come back and spray one more time. If you were talking to a farmer who is thinking about integrating cover crops into their operation, what advice would you give them? Be patient. It's a weather thing, you know, if you're farming, you understand that. We have did some fields that, you know, we're in Minnesota. We're not in Iowa and Illinois, and everybody looks at that for studies. Well, we get a frost sometimes in September. Mm-hmm. It just, it, we have a way smaller window. I mean, so, but, you know, sometimes it don't work, but most times it usually does, so. What what species have you put out there? I know last person, last podcast, one of the last podcasts we had, we had a guy talk about African cabbage. Have you what? What is the wildest thing you've tried? N- not much. I'm pretty basic. <laughs> I'm your rape rapeseed turnips, you know, radishes and winter rye, and I did some winter wheat this year. Tried that, but I'm a big believer in winter rye. That stuff is <laughs> strong. I mean. Last year, I planted some in November, and we had an okay stand in the spring. It's it, down to 30-some degrees. It'll sprout and grow. Yeah. So, You've found what works for you in your operation, and that doesn't mean it's going to work in everyone's operation. Nope. But it sounds like, too, part of your advice to be patient is probably you didn't do all your acres with the cover crop at once. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> and i just seen that it's... I think it's improving and, and working, and it's just, you know, one thing is weather. I mean, you're, you can't help it, so, I mean, and that's, so don't get defeated if it don't turn out how you wanted, you know, but I believe it's going to help in the long run. Well, and I think that's a pretty good transition into, you know, talking about your forage supply, and I know a lot of guys have had, with the drought that we had, a lot of growers and producers are very short on forages. How are you looking at the moment on that front? Okay. I mean, I wanted way more, but, you know, like I said, the, this spring, the winter I just didn't grow, and I usually cut that and either do silage or bale it, and we left it this year just because it was getting middle May, and we had to... Beans were twelve dollars, and he can't just wait. <laughs> so, got to yeah. get them in. So, yeah, and that you know kind of leads into you use sweet corn silage, and that's something that's quite interesting to me. I know a handful of guys back in central Minnesota who utilize sweet corn silage, but how's that working out for you? Uh, don't want to mention this, but yeah, very well. I don't want everybody trying it because <laughs> there's only so much. <laughs> but yeah, it, I think it's the cheapest way to feed beef cattle. I really do. And I know a lot of dairy people mix it for elk, for their heifers and stuff. It it just, it's a fill. I use it as a filler. It's not for to maintain them or, or gain weight for the beef cows. It's just a filler. I mean, and they seem to like it. They can eat it anytime they want. And I got it just in front of them. So 
Well, and, and handling that has been something, too, that kind of has come up. How do you handle that, the sweet corn silage? We have a bunker, and we just get it right now around Thanksgiving. We start trucking it in and packing it in the bunker, and and I just use a skid loader and dive into it and put it in front of them, and they eat it, like I said, all day long if they want. So, But they get real corn silage and alfalfa and stuff and like i said i just use this for a filler for him well and it something else that you mentioned that you know i think is really interesting is that you you stop feeding about april on yes. with it and why why is it why is that for me if you packed it better i i don't pack it you know like you would a corn silage or haylage and if it's warm it starts spoiling for me, I I know some people that keep feeding it. If you if you pack it very well, I just use my loader and you know pack it. And I don't sit there and drive over the top of it and stuff. And that works for me because I'm I got enough hay that I feed in April. And if it's nice, I kick them back out on the corn stalks. So. So we're talking about what's going into your cattle. Maybe we can touch a little bit on what's coming out of them. How do you manage your manure? Manure is, I usually, that's one reason we're not, you know, I'll no-till because, I mean, you got to go somewhere with the manure. So we pick a few fields that I'm going to use for silage, and we put it out in the fall. And one thing about my bunker, I use that for to hold it my after I get done with sweet corn silage, I start putting manure in there. We do a little bit in the spring, you know, if it's the weather. If not, then we put it in the bunker and we put it all out in the fall. And then we'll till that in lightly. Yeah, and it sounds also from our conversations from before, like you have another use for the manure, Aaron. Hi, I'm I'm Erin Honk, and I'm Dan's wife. Um, I work off the farm for the most part, but I have uh, found my niche here growing flowers, and I have a, a small CSA that uh, gets flowers delivered to the, them twice, uh, well, every other week through the summer months. And I've asked, I've been asked, um, what's the secret to to my my flowers and and their vase life? And I always joke that it's my good fertilizer that I get for free out here. Um, I've had my soil tested numerous times, and it comes back with I, I don't need to add anything to it. It's it's absolutely perfect. So, and it's because we have a lot, <laughs> a lot of cow manure <laughs> that's been put into into my garden beds out here. Well, and this brings up something interesting that I was looking at, and you know, and I was kind of piecing together in the last podcast, which is. You know, we talk a lot about integrating cattle and crops on the landscape and when we're talking about soil health and, you know, integrating flowers into that has never once come across the, the radar. So something new. I love it. That's great. <laughs> yeah. It's, like I said, I've just, you know, I kind of carved my niche here. Um, you know, I, I help out at the, you know, with the farm where I can, but it's the, I was not born out here. So this is, this is new to me. And, uh, Growing flowers is something that I've I've started as an adult and and found a hobby that I really enjoy. Um, you know, Dan and I both care a lot about soil health and and water, clean water and pollinators, and it all kind of ties together. And um, like you said, we've got a lot going on out here, and, and it all kind of works together. 
she came out here and she probably killed the first tomato plant. She probably, probably. grew. So I've she came a- out here with not no <laughs> I've learned nothing. a lot. So yes. <laughs> And she's a master gardener. She took classes and did that. Yeah, I am. I did go through the University of Minnesota's master gardener program. Um, at 2020, right before the pandemic, I was. We were the last class to meet in person. Well, I think we're going to use, gonna have to give that to all of our master gardener coordinators and and have that as the use. This as an advertisement for them moving forward. Sure. Yes. Yeah, I don't know that there is a manure section in the core course of the Master <laughs> Gardener that, Volunteer Program. Um, so, Erin, will you share a little bit with us about what you grow now? What flowers, other things sure. that are part of your enterprise? So I grow, my flower gardens are for cut flowers. And so I, I'm focused on flowers that have a good vase life. And so I am growing a lot of dahlias, zinnias, Gomophrenia, um, the filler, you know, some pretty things that, that fill the vases. Um, I'm just drawing some a blank. Well, sunflowers. We have a lot of sunflowers out here. But dahlias are the, are the big, they're, they're the showy ones, and they're the most work. Um, I've got about 200, 220 dahlia plants right now. We expanded this summer, added probably another 20 or so, so more. And they're just a lot of work. You have to dig them up. They're all in storage in the garage here now. I have a greenhouse. Um, we talked a little bit about that before. Um, we had a small hobby greenhouse that, that was damaged in a storm and then decided to take that opportunity. Um, you know, a door closes and a window opens. And so we went from an 8 by 10 backyard greenhouse to a 20 by 30 38 38 20 by 38 greenhouse just reusing a a calf barn here on the farm rip the roof off put greenhouse panels on the top learned a lot about passive solar heat and and working with basically like rain barrels black barrels filled with water to uh to soak up the energy the sun's energy during the day and then uh, release that heat out at night that keeps it about 15 degrees warmer just trying to be economical and not not run that LP heater all the time. It does go dormant. We don't have a deep winter greenhouse. It does it. It's dormant right now. We don't really get it fired back up till about March fifteenth. We tried it one year and no, just we tried it two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what do you grow in the greenhouse? I just basically start everything there. That's where all the seeds get started. We do a little bit under grow lights. Most of our things just start about May, uh, March fifteenth. We we started tried tried starting things earlier, but the, there's just you know the angle of the sun. It's just we, there's not enough hours of daylight mm-hmm. till we hit that mid March, mid March time frame. Yeah, one thing that made me really happy when you were talking is that you get your soil tested. So as a master gardener volunteer, can you give a little shout out for? Soil testing and why people should do it? super easy. (laughs) Um, The University of Minnesota has a great program. It's super easy. Even if you just have a little backyard raised bed, you know, you collect your small samples. I'm not quite sure on the website. It's where I went. It was through the uh, Master Gardener program, but it's it's available to anybody. Yep, we have the soil testing lab through the U of M. And uh, the recommended frequency is about every three years unless you're doing a particular project in a new area and want to figure out your baseline or have a problem like something's yeah, not working right. and what you know what do you need to add yeah that was it was fun to find out that I didn't need to add anything we were sitting good mm-hmm. 
And that helps us be responsible stewards of the land, too, like you're saying. Why add fertilizer if you don't need if you to? you don't need it, And that's yeah. what the soil test lets you know. Well, and this goes back to now, you know, we know how she handles nutrient management. You want to talk about how you manage your manure on farm? Yeah, uh, we move it around. I mean, we spread it on fields that are going to be corn, so... We soil test about every three years here, too, and I need to add stuff, so, <laughs> and the clay, so. We try to stay away from everything, you know, the guidelines and stuff. I mean, I don't want to be the bad farmer that someone sees spreading next to water or anything, so. There's very few of them, by the way, so. That I would agree with, yeah. I, yes. I don't run into a whole lot of those those farmers, and usually... I. Don't. They usually don't last. Yeah. Yeah, so you had shared with us in the last episode that one of the exciting things going on on the operation is the recent addition of solar energy. So can you tell us a little bit about that? We got in a program that is very beneficial for solar, and we're actually getting paid. We're actually, after we pay for the solar panels and electricity, I'm spending probably 100 bucks a month. So that's down from 300. Wow. And we have an app, and it shows that we took out 8 ton of CO2 since June. That's when we started it. And like I said, we're producing more electricity than we're using. So what do you do with the excess? Sell it back to the co-op, Steel Wasika Co-op. Well, so the farm is 100% powered by solar now. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, nothing, you don't actually draw on any other energy other than the sol- solar we, power? We draw, we don't have the battery situation. Okay. So when it's producing, we produce more and we're using, and then it goes through, but like at night and stuff or real cloudy day, we do Then we take, pull back from the grid, but yeah. we are producing enough that in, I mean, it's good days, neutral. I mean, yeah. So you know, we'll see. I mean, we didn't have rain, so it was sunny a lot, so, but... We'll see how next year goes, but right now it, it is doing very well. So okay. so this was a really recent addition, it sounds yep. like. So fresh in your memory, what advice would you give someone else who is maybe considering integrating solar power? Don't think it's going to happen in a day. <laughs> it There's takes a lot a while. of regulation, yes. a lot of paperwork, yep. um, even just getting the system inspected and just brought onto the grid it's a long process we started at the very beginning of the pandemic yeah and it just went on live in june so patience is a recurring theme (laughs) Uh, so you said that was kind of a program that you're a part of what other programs have been beneficial for you as you've been integrating these conservation practices uh the csp uh program and i like that did that because they helped with doing butterfly field you know on your edge of your fields and they help you pay for that and just a whole bunch i mean they help you intercede the pastures that's why i started doing more of that and are these with your local soil and water water, and nrcs yep yep or Natural Resource Conservation Service is the alphabet soup <laughs> definition of NRCS. If if you ever deal with those groups, it's you know is equip is actually not E Q U I P. It's U Q I P and and C R P and C S P. It's just 
there's an awful lot of acronyms. If you don't know what you're dealing with, they can get very confusing in a hurry. Any other programs that stand out to you? No, just CRP and... CRP? Yeah. Well, and I noticed, you know, when we were out walking, we walked down next to your pond here, and you said you had a lot of beneficials around the outside of, of your pond over there. Was uh, What programs did you use to bring that in, and what was the process there? That that was just CRP. CRP? Yeah, and some of it I just do. I mean, that no program. I just, okay. I just do it. I mean, so... Like this year, we planted sunflowers and everything in there, and uh, did just it's I did just it. Something yeah. that's important to yep. you, yeah. right? Yep. So, well, and then also, you know, I guess getting into some more fun things. I noticed, you know, when we walked, when I drove in, I also noticed your nice-sized fishing boat out there that's currently sitting up on the dock. Can you, you know, uh, what what are your plans out here? You know, you've got some pretty good setup up out there. It looks like you have you have plans for the future. So, what does the future look like? Some farm to table out here and. We have our annual fun day out here, I guess I'd call it, and get friends out here. And we built a little beach. Yep, we get built a Cowabunga beach. beach. <laughs> Cowabunga Beach. I That's, love that name. <laughs> I say that is with the C O W, correct? Yeah. Correct, okay. Cowabunga. <laughs> yeah, we put sand down there, and so we put fish in the pond and got aerators going. Well, in that boat you mentioned, that you actually managed to sink the boat in your pond, which, yes. I, I mean... Here we have you, a 36-foot houseboat Yes, <laughs> sitting on our beach. Now, what it, what so. is your plans for that? Is, that, is it going to become seaworthy again? No, not oh, okay. not right now. It's it's a nice little... It's like a cabin, so... Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking, uh, you know, the ending scene of... Uh, was it secondhand lions where they've got the big yacht out in the middle of the pond that's what i was thinking yeah we had it out there (laughs) but it went down (laughs) you mentioned you sunk it how did you get that out that's that's what i wanted with pumps with pumps yeah did you actually have someone on shore did you have to get someone get another boat out there to haul it to the to the shore i we had a lot of cable and chain and we had two four-wheel drive (laughs) tractors on it (laughs) Well, to get it in, my John Deere loader, that was probably four feet deep. I kept pushing to get it far enough out there. Oh. So, And then we had to pull that out with the tractor. So it's been interesting. Like I said, we're not afraid to try stuff out here. So, Well, it, yeah, it definitely looks very interesting what you have out there. It's definitely looking like things are going to be, like we're going to have to return here in a few, you know, here in a, a year or two and see how things are turned out. We're working Especially on the, the green green bin gazebo next. Uh, always have a f- half a dozen projects in the works. Trying to build a, a life we don't have to vacation away from. And just have it be right here. That's a great motto. And one thing I really appreciate about your operation is that it's a diverse system, and it is a system, right? You you have your livestock that are a natural partner with the crops that you're growing uh, and also an added bonus for your flowers. And you've got what it it looks, at least to an outsider, as a really pretty self-contained system and you're keeping your resources here on your farm. 100%, yep. It took her a while to understand that I do have a system, but she's getting it. I mean, sometimes it looks insane, but it actually works out. <laughs> yep. So, well, I think that's as good a place as any to go ahead and cut her short or cut her here. So again, thanks for 
listening to our the, another episode of the Field Guide podcast. If you'd like to get a hold of myself or Claire, or if you have any ideas for the podcast, uh, go to z.umn.edu backslash local, and you'll find our contact information there under the counties that we're in. Again, thanks for listening. And thanks for uh, hosting us today, Honkins. And tune in next time, everyone.